and the WMUZ Life and Finance team is on the air. To make sure we're all headed in the right direction, we at WMUZ have assembled a team of experts. And every night, a different expert is here to give advice about the issues that impact your life. We hope you find the information on today's program to be inspiring. If you've been told you have to live with pain or a health problem, we encourage you to call and make an appointment with one of the doctors that host your weekly checkup at 866-521-WELL. Dr. Jonathan Lazar and Dr. Jamie Kramer are upper cervical doctors that believe you can have the life God intended for you. The number again is 866-521-WELL. That's 866-521-WELL. And there's a location near you with offices in Troy and Ann Arbor. If you're tired of searching for solutions for your condition, make an appointment right now at 866-521-WELL. Or check them out on the web at yourweeklycheckup.com. That's yourweeklycheckup.com. Now back to Dr. Jonathan Lazar and Dr. Jamie Kramer on your weekly checkup. It's Tuesday night. That means it's time for your weekly checkup with Dr. Kramer and Dr. Lazar. This is the show dedicated to helping you live an extraordinary life. Our goal tonight is to give you hope, help you live with more energy, and help you experience health like never before. And we're going to do that tonight by talking to you about what it is that is being suggested that you put into your body and your children's body. And if we want to give you hope that you can live without the side effects of those things, that you can have energy because your body's not busy dealing with the side effects of those things, and you can experience true health like you never have before, you're going to want to stay with us tonight. Our number is 866-521-9355, 866-521-WELL. We'll be taking your calls live for the next hour. And uh, Dr. Kramer, it's great to be with you tonight. Oh, and likewise, Dr. Lozar, I am so excited to be here this Tuesday night. If you're t- if you're driving in your car, if you're tuning in, this is the place to be. We have a hot topic tonight, and even hotter with us is we have Dr. Ted Korn. Now, he is a very, very special guest that's joined us tonight. Now, he has personally inspired me and my family. I have bought his books. I have attended his seminars. I have bought his CDs. I, I, I don't know how many times I've countlessly heard him lecture. And um, he is just an amazing wealth of information and an amazing human being that we're having on our program tonight. So I'm extremely excited. And um, he is the founder of the Quorum Publications, which is the largest supplier of patient education material for doctors and the developer of the Quorum specific technique. And he's actually here tonight to help us discuss the topic of vaccines. And he's actually internationally known as an expert on the matter of vaccines. So I'm extremely excited to be uh, that he's here with us tonight. So welcome to the show, Dr. Corin. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Oh, well, I, our pleasure. I'm so excited you're here. Um, what I would love for you to share with the listeners is how you got your interest in vaccines. Well, philosophically, in chiropractic school, uh, it didn't seem compatible with the philosophy of natural healing and respecting the body as being intelligent. 
uh, and then going ahead and intellectually deciding we're going to inject these chemicals into your baby and make the body even better. It seemed that it, it would seem logical that such a marvelous creation can be improved by injecting what actually are toxins in it. Um, but it really hit home when my son was born. And the question of should I or should I not vaccine became very personal and not just intellectual. And, uh, you know, and it was, there was a lot of emotional issues around it because on one level, I was, uh, I was product of, of my medical upbringing as we all are. Most of us are brought up medically. Uh, my two younger brothers are medical doctors, for example, and I was supposed to be an MD, but took a, a, a little side trip, you might say, and, turned into something else however uh i really wanted to know uh, is this really good for him or not uh and uh you know is it worth putting up with the the school system and having to deal with uh, you know whether or not he's permitted to go to school if his shots are uh, up to date was it uh, dealing with my mother-in-law <laughs> and families uh, saying, oh, my God, he's why? You know, is he somehow unprotected? So I started doing research on it, and I began to research in a very serious manner and studied the medical literature and, and uh, went to uh, conferences and went to uh, hearings on the subject and began to uh, look at it in great depth, spoke to researchers and traveled. Uh, to Washington to go to uh, conferences and all that. So the uh, issue became uh, much more clear the more I, I got into it, and I put a tremendous amount of time and effort and money into trying to understand this issue. And eventually, when our daughter was born, our daughter Shana, a few years later, uh, there was no question that we would not vaccinate her. Uh, my son, Seth, our son Seth, was not vaccinated, and Shana was not vaccinated simply because I became informed. Uh, rather than just the victim of scare tactics. And I find that this uh, current measles uh, uh, brouhaha is really the result of fear and, and not knowledge. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why you invited me on the show tonight. So, Dr. Corrin, th this is Dr. Lazar, and I, you know, we're, we're so honored to have you on here. We, do In fact, Dr. Kramer and I were both uh, just so... I, well, I'll speak for myself, but she, I just so starstruck to have you because for the last seven years we've been in practice, uh, that I've been in practice in Ann Arbor, um, we've, we have several of your myth-busting reports, your brochures, we use your, you know, your big booklet. So all of our patients, the thousands of people we get to serve in Ann Arbor, all have, every one of them have your product in their hands. And so they're not going to hear anything new tonight because they're already educated on you know, how the body heals naturally. But what I really want to, um, who I really want to speak to tonight is is the parents that are on the fence. There, there are pro-vaxxers that think that the government legislation should stay out of their uterus. In other words, I have the right to abort and kill any baby that I want, and the government shouldn't have anything to say about it. But God forbid you parents who are informed and educated and not blindly following this crap that's being dealt to you and poisoning your children, you're negligent and reckless and worse than drunk drivers. Like, let's, you know... I, Let's just call it like it is. So I'm not talking to those people. Who I'm talking to tonight are the people who are saying, you know, I am scared. And 
I'm not sure this whole vaccine thing makes sense, but I didn't go to school for nine years. I don't know what's going on with this. And my MD says I have to do it. And the school district says I have to do it. And the state says I have to go to some class. And I just don't know what to do. If it's really that bad, why are they making me do this? Those are who are the people I want to talk to tonight. So so uh, if you're just tuning in, our number is 866-521-9355, 866-521-WELL. And you can uh, ask us tonight, although we'll gladly defer to Dr. Corrin. Um, and so why did you make the decision? You say you did the research. You say that it didn't make sense. It was not congruent, if, if I could kind of summarize it that way. What is it that you found that made it so it didn't make sense to you? Well, looking at measles, since it's in the news a lot, would be a good uh, sort of a microcosm of uh, the whole vaccine issue. Uh, for example, measles is a generally benign, uh, relatively harmless uh, condition. Anyone who was born before 1960 or 65 uh, got the measles naturally and, uh, you know, missed a few days of school, and that was it. However, they got lifelong immunity. Um, and uh, the measles was generally considered by medical doctors at that time merely a rite of passage, sort of a harmless childhood disease. And okay. uh, and now if we look at statistics, uh, where we'll listen to the news, it sounds like it's some horrible killer coming around when it's never mm-hmm. been the case. Now, a little over 100 kids got measles, uh, in Disney, you know, mostly in Disneyland, apparently. And if we look at statistics and say, how dangerous is the measles? Uh, we find something fascinating, and that is in about 10 years, the Center for, Centers for Disease Control stated that not a single child died of measles in the United States in 10 years, uh, 2004, 2014, something like that. Although some statistics say four children uh, in 10 years died of the measles. So uh, you're dealing with government statistics and they're not often consistent. However, in the same period, a government reporting agency reported 108 children died from the measles shot. Now, yes. if that's the case, and you have four kids dying from measles versus 100 kids, actually 108 children dying from the measles shot, which is more dangerous? Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're taking more of your life in your hands by take, getting the shot than letting your child get the measles. And we do know that that number of 108 kids dying from the measles shot is probably wrong. It's probably far higher because government reporting and industry reporting says that medical doctors generally do not report vaccine injuries. They report maybe 1 in 50 or even 1 in 100 vaccine injuries. And therefore, if they say 108 kids died from the shot, it could be thousands. And we have absolutely no idea of knowing because it's the medical doctors that write the death certificates. Instead of saying death from measles vaccine, which can perhaps give them a lawsuit, they will say death from uh, encephalomyelitis, which really is uh, what happens when you die from the measles shot or any shot. You can get uh, encephalitis or encephalomyelitis, which is fatal in some cases, actually in many cases. And therefore, but it doesn't say the measles shot, so it's not considered part that it's a measles death. And we see that over and over and over again. Uh, but the statistics very simply bear out that whereas very, very few kids die from the disease, far more children die from the vaccine. And that alone is enough to let parents say, wait a minute, which is worse, the measles or the measles shot? Uh, also, uh, kids that, uh, 
they find that there is actually two diseases that pretty much only occur in vaccinated children. One okay. is called atypical measles, which is often fatal, and the other one is called subacute uh, sclerosis panencephalitis, uh, SSPE, which is 100% fatal, and these only occur in the vaccinated. Uh, we also find that there's very little measles among the, vac- the non-vaccinated. I, I live in Pennsylvania, for example. We have Amish communities, and the mm-hmm. Amish generally do not vaccinate. And studies have shown uh, one case over a 17-year period, not a single case of measles occurred among the Amish who did not vaccinate, while there were quite a few cases of measles among their, their English-speaking neighbors, as the Amish like to put it, that do vaccinate. Now, the uh, pro-vaxxers are, are going to hear that and say, well, yeah, that's because everybody around them got vaccinated. So thanks a bunch. They protected all, all the Amish people. And the non-vaxxers, well, that's, the, that's what they're going to say. But the fact say. is that, oh, I understand, and my answer to them would be, well, the, the, it turns out the only people that got measles were the vaccinated. The non-vaccinated didn't. If the vaccine works so well, how come only the vaccinated are getting measles? Mm-hmm. That happened here uh, a few months ago uh, in my area. There was a horrible measles epidemic in a high school. Two kids got, no, no, pertussis, whooping cough. Two kids got whooping cough. That, okay. that was a horrible epidemic. <laughs> they both recovered because these are relatively harmless diseases now. Uh, and I called the nurse and I said, how many of these kids were vaccinated? And she says, both of them were. Mm-hmm. And you get this hysteria. Uh, but largely you find that the, these childhood diseases, measles, mumps, whooping cough, diphtheria, uh, typhoid, uh, etc., scarlet fever, they had deaths from them had dropped 98 to 99% before the vaccines were even out. These diseases were a a ghost of their former selves before vaccination. Mm -hmm. And then the vaccines came out, you know, and Mm -hmm. they said, oh, look, the vaccines came out, and they'll say something like that. And it's really, as they say in in the Talmud, half of a truth is a full lie. Uh, You'll get somebody from the media Mm -hmm. or or the health department, uh, sometimes it's the same thing, who will say, um, you know, before vaccines, 10,000 kids died of measles. Today, you know, nobody's dying of measles, or it's very rare. And that's true. But it doesn't tell you that the vaccines had anything to do with the deaths, because the deaths had just about all disappeared before the vaccines ever came out. And we see that over and over again. One of my favorite diseases is scarlet fever. Uh, it's not really a, a favorite disease, actually. But the the fact is that uh, in the early 1900s, the pertussis, whooping cough, and scarlet fever were both killing diseases of children. Mm-hmm. Both diseases pretty much disappeared, uh, but there was no vaccine for scarlet fever. And tetanus disappeared, uh, pertussis disappeared, and scarlet fever disappeared. Um, the, obviously, the vaccine had nothing to do with it. It's wow. what dealt, dealt clean living. You know, getting better sanitation and having, instead of outhouses, smelly, dirty outhouses, we had indoor plumbing with running water and hot and cold water and and garbage disposal and and sanitation and better, you know, quality of food, etc. This is what um, really made the difference. Uh, It had nothing to do with vaccination or putting chemicals into kids' arms. Uh, But what you really have to ask, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I'm sorry, Doc. I just I just wanted to give the the callers or the listeners the number again because I know they're I know they're going to have questions. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to your weekly checkup with Dr. Kramer and Dr. Lazar. We have Dr. Ted Corin on us uh, with us. I'm sorry on our show. Um, one of the world's leading and foremost professionals on um, being informed about what really goes on uh, with vaccines, in vaccines, what the results are from an over-vaccinated and medicated society. Um, our number tonight is 866-521-WELL, 866-521-9355. I'm sorry, so you were, you were talking, uh, and, I, and I interrupted. Go right ahead. Well, you know, there's a lot of questions as to uh, do vaccines cause autism? And uh, it's uh, rather fascinating because the medical profession uh, denies that the vaccines cause any problems at all. Um, in fact, uh, they, they say the vaccines are perfectly safe. But if you look at the medical uh, journals in the physician's desk reference, you find that the vaccines are admitted to be very dangerous. Uh, and the proof of that is not just to be found in the medical journals, but when... Um, in 1987, they started paying parents to if their kids were, were vaccinated and um, were damaged. And so far, over three billion dollars has been paid off to the families of vaccine-injured children. Uh, it was the federal agency doing it. Most parents don't even know that agency exists, and that is really just a fraction of the amount of money that probably should be paid for all the injuries that occur. Uh, and they changed the rules to make it more and more difficult to parents to get reimbursed if the parent even knows such a fund exists. Uh, let me give an example. Um, a few years ago, your child had a seizure after vaccination that got brain damaged. Uh, you could get reimbursed. Then they changed the rules and said, well, yes, if your child has a seizure and gets brain damaged, you'll get reimbursed, but the seizure has to last at least a half hour just arbitrarily threw that out. And imagine if you have a kid who gets a vaccine and starts seizing for 20 minutes. Wow. Or gets, and, and then, but you still can't get reimbursed if the kid has permanent brain damage because the kid didn't have the intelligence to have a seizure for 10 more minutes. Mm-hmm. And this is the craziness and arbitrary rules they have. Like I said, over $3 billion has been paid out to pay for the injuries and deaths done to kids as a result of vaccines. And what that 1986-87 law did, sadly, was to absolve vaccine manufacturers from having to pay lawsuits. What happened was uh, in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, there were many, many lawsuits against pharmaceutical companies because their kids were brought about by parents whose kids were, were killed or brain injured from vaccines. And the, the vaccine companies were, were losing so much money and were under and they had such trouble that they actually went to the government and said, we're not going to make vaccines anymore unless we're protected from liability. Right. And the government changed the law and said, okay, from now on, if your kid is hurt, you can't sue the vaccine companies. You could go, you'll go to the federal government and the federal government will give you money. And if your child is killed from a vaccine, do you know what they, they will give you? What's you know that? what the amount is? $250,000. No. That's the oh value of your child. Dr. Kramer, and what was so your... so far, as I said, over $3 billion has been paid. 
Wow. Now, I know, Dr. Corn, in the beginning of the show, you had mentioned, uh, you know, the time and energy and all the research that you have done on vaccines. And you also mentioned you went to courts. Can you explain what court you went to and what that was about? Well, I, I went to hearing, court hearings. Okay. I wasn't uh, oh, no, I, I wasn't a participant in it. Uh, not at this point. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've and I've gone through transcripts of uh, of courts, of court documents, and and you know trials and things like that. The uh, unfortunately, uh, the courts are permitting vaccine manufacturers to be protected from damage, and they requested it. And you might say, well, if this product is so safe. Why do they have to be protected from a liability? And yeah. the, the the answer is, and the government has actually said it, is vaccines are unsafe. That that's the exact words they use. They vaccines are unsafe. Therefore, uh, there's no real safety. Um, somebody might say, well, you know, okay, but you know, you can't make omelets without breaking eggs. So uh, let's say one or two kids is hurt, or, you know, and it's a tragedy, but look at all the millions that are saved and all the thousands and millions of lives that are saved from the vaccine. And the fact is that that's not the case at all. These diseases, as I like to repeat because it bears repeating, these diseases yeah. were just about gone before the vaccines came out. However, since vaccination, we have a whole generation of neurologically damaged children children with autism, which barely existed before the vaccines, children with allergies. Allergies barely existed before vaccines. Asthma. I mean, uh, like I said, I take care of the Amish. I've never met an asthmatic kid who was not vaccinated, and the Amish don't vaccinate. So I'm taking care of some families there. And this one uh, girl, she's she's about 20, woman, she says uh, she has asthma. And I said, oh, you're, you're vaccinated. She says, no. I thought, well, that's highly unusual. Here's an Amish child. I mean, they pretty much live pretty natural, and mm-hmm. she was never vaccinated. She has asthma. So I started asking her questions. Have you ever been hospitalized? No. You know you know how you, it is when you ask patients questions. You, you never you have to phrase it a certain way because, you know, you have to sort of get in there. So I said, well, did you ever break a bone? She says, yeah, I broke my arm. I said, oh, and what did they do? Oh, they took me to the hospital. So the answer was yes, she was in the hospital, but not overnight, I guess. And I said, well, in the hospital, did they give you any shots? She said, yeah, they gave me shots when I was in the hospital. The only Amish I knew that had asthma and that person was vaccinated, uh, Dan Olmsted, an Associated Press reporter, uh, went uh, throughout the Amish communities in Pennsylvania and could not find any uh, autistic children among the Amish. Uh, wow. Even though, based on the size of their population, there should have been at least a couple of hundred. But oh, actually, that's not totally true. He he saw three of them, three or four. Uh, two of them were were adopted and were fully vaccinated. Um, one was fully vaccinated, wasn't adopted, but they convinced the parents to give the child shots. And one family lived downwind from a uh, a coal uh, energy plant, power plant. Uh, when you burn coal, you get a lot of mercury uh, as, a, as a byproduct in the air, and they believe that that's what uh, the mercury is what caused the brain injury of the child. So, Doctor so, Corin, you, know, you in in one of your um, in your 18 reasons to just say no pamphlet, the vaccination pamphlet um, that we 
we distribute in both of our offices. Uh, there's a quote yeah. in there that really strikes strikes me uh, by Dr. Robert Mendelson. He's a medical doctor, so not not a chiropractor, not you know he's he's a medical doctor. He asked yeah, the he's question. He's a pediatrician. Yes, yes. He asked the question: um, Have we traded mumps and measles for cancer and leukemia? Startling question. What's how would you how would you address that? Well, uh, Dr. Mendelson said a lot of great things very well. <laughs> Dr. Mendelson, uh, actually, I, I like a few of his quotes. One of them is, "One grandmother is worth two pediatricians." <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> he always said we have to get back to natural healing methods and listen to what your family used to do. And uh, uh, my family was, uh, you know, my uh, European pretty much. My my grandparents were all born in Europe. My um, um, my grandmother was like, uh, well, you take care of us when we were sick, and she had the syringe, to, and she used to give enemas when we had fevers, water enemas, uh, you know, scared the fever, scared us to death, but got rid of the fevers. <laughs> uh, it's really, actually, it's, it's very fast. Somebody says, what do I do if my kid has a fever? Give him an enema. Uh, and this is just old natural healing that people have always known. Um, but Robert Mendelssohn also said, uh, he says, pediatricians will defend vaccinations to the death. My only question is, who's death? Wow. And that's, he said that in heavy. light of the fact that uh, crib death is found in vaccinated children, uh, not in the non-vaccinated. In fact, in Japan, um, after uh, 37 children died from DPT shots, pertussis shots, the government stopped vaccinating under the age of two. They changed the law. You cannot get vaccinated until you're at least two years old in Japan. And after that was done, crib death virtually disappeared in Japan. Crib death wow. is also known as SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Yeah. And uh, the uh, also uh, infantile uh, seizures disappeared in Japan, which, which are fatal as well. Is that and, currently going uh, on now? Well, they started the vaccines at uh, a younger age. The MDs uh, petitioned for it. When they permitted it, crib death started to creep up again. Got it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, th these are things that you see. They're in the medical literature, and uh, unfortunately they're ignored. You know, when you have a multi-billion dollar industry and a tremendous amount of fear. Um, you know, I, actually, I say, yeah, let there be fear. Let there be fear of the vaccines. The vaccines terif should terrify us because they have been linked to crib death, which kills kids. And, uh, you know, how much crib death is there in the non-vaccinated? Where is the research? Uh, the fact is the research is not there. It's very sloppy. And, and just from a logical standpoint, vaccines have been recalled. Vaccines have been let, were approved, have later been found to cause serious injury and death. And if the science is not sure... Why should we force parents to do something if the experts are in disagreement over? So why do Shouldn't you think it's so? Right? Why? I mean, we've talked to MDs actually on our show who are who are extremely passionate that that's the right thing to do. Why? So why? I mean, what? Well, why do you think they push it so much? Okay. You know, we know that vax MDs can lose their license if they uh, criticize vaccination. This is not exactly an uninterested group, but for the most part, this is what they, they're taught in medical school, and they don't know any better. 
you know, if, I've always said, if you want to hear really, it's hard to find dumber things coming out of the mouths of an MD than anyone else. I mean, they, some of the stuff they say is absolutely ridiculous. It's unscientific, and it's pretty much what they, they're just repeating what they were told in medical school. They, they, as one researcher said, going through medical school seems to get rid of the ob ability to think. And uh, I'm reminded of that because we have to look at what happens when a parent brings a child to an MD for, for shots. And the, ch and the MD, you know, will give the kid the shots. And then the mother will, an hysterical mother will call later that day or maybe uh, the next day and say, my child's not the same. After the shots, they, they developed a high fever or they started spinning right. in circles or they, mm -hmm. they didn't want me to hold them anymore. They stopped speaking. They, were, they forgot their letters. They, they, they're, they're no longer able to, you know, they regress or they start stimming, you know, uh, as, as autistic kids do or whatever. And the MD will say, uh, you know, and the parents say, did the shot do this? And the MD will say, it's a coincidence. Well, okay, maybe it is. But let's say the same thing happens a couple of weeks later to a different child. And the parents call up and say the same thing. Do you say it's a coincidence again? And then if it happens to, to another mother and another, another baby and another, and you say it's a coincidence, well, when do you stop saying it's a coincidence and start realizing the shots may be doing this? I mean, how, uh, autism has gone from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in about 60 in a barely the blink of an eye. And, you know, when, when are they going to stop the shots? When it's one and two? And we're not yeah. just talking about autism. We're talking about uh, diabetes and ADD, ADHD, vision problems, hearing problems, processing disorders, concentration ability, disabilities, dyslexia, all kinds of neurological problems that barely existed before vaccines. And it's not like they want to know. They're not doing the research to find out. And because of that, uh, they don't know, and the public is being lied to. And, and just recently, uh, William Thompson, a senior research scientist for the Centers for Disease Control, came forward as a whistleblower to said when he, years ago, he was working on a, a vaccine study to see if vaccines cause autism, and they found out that they did, and his superiors told him to bury it, and he mm -hmm. did that. Yeah. And he said his conscience has not been right since, and he has now come forward and made public statements. He had to hire a legal team that specialized in whistleblowers because they could do terrible things to whistleblowers in Washington. Sure. So he's, got, he's protected legal, or at least he has legal representation, and he said flat out, I told my superiors, and these are people now who are, one of them was Julie Garberding, head of the CDC, and after she left uh, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, is now the head of vaccines for Merck. You know, yeah, this I is just, it works. Yeah, just a couple weeks ago, I read that she, of course, she got that position, right? Listen, we're going to take a short break. Um, if you're if you're just tuning in, you're listening to your weekly checkup. Our number is 866-521-9355, 866-521-WELL. We want you to call in tonight with any questions that you have. We have some that were already submitted that we're asking to Dr. Ted Corrin, um, but we certainly will be happy to take yours live on the air. 
You can also tweet us at uh, our our Twitter handle is at YWCheckup for your weekly checkup, and we'll be happy to answer those on the air. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Do you constantly live with pain? Does simply getting out of bed seemingly take all of your energy? Are you just plain tired? Tired of searching for answers? Tired of not living the life God intended for you? Then you need to call 866-521-WELL and speak with Dr. Jonathan Lazar or Dr. Jamie Kramer. Dr. Lazar and Dr. Kramer are upper cervical doctors who specialize in helping those who are in chronic pain. Call 866-521-WELL and make an appointment to visit one of their offices in Ann Arbor or Troy. If you mention you heard about them on WMUZ, your first consultation will be absolutely free. That's 866-521-WELL. And also go to their website at yourweeklycheckup.com. Now back to Dr. Jonathan Lazar and Dr. Jamie Kramer on Your Weekly Checkup. Call and speak with the doctors live at 866-521-WELL. That's 866-521-WELL. And we're and we're back with Dr. Ted Korn here tonight and we are talking about vaccines, a very hot topic in the in the news and in on the Facebook and with your friends and your family. So if if you've been interested in this, stay tuned and give us a call at the 866-521-9355 number to ask your questions with our our vaccine expert. And in the beginning of the show, I gave you a little bit of bio about Dr. Ted Korn, but I do want to also let you know he has a wonderful book on this topic and it's called Childhood Vaccinations. Uh, Questions All Parents Should Ask by Dr. Ted Koren. And this is a wonderful, wonderful book. We actually have several copies in our office, and we have patients check them out and use them. Or you can just go online and also purchase the book, um, Childhood Vaccinations, Questions All Parents Should Ask. So, Dr. Koren, we're back from the show, or back from our break, and we were talking about the the whistleblower and the CDC, um, and that's just alarming and scary for a, a parent to hear. I'm a I'm a new parent. I have a, a seven and a half month old. Dr. Lazar has three children of his own, and you know, as a as a new parent, I want only the very very best for our, for my child. And all to the the new parents out there, um, what would you recommend? Would uh, besides, um, you know, obviously I recommend getting your book and doing your research. But for the for the for the parent out there that's got the grandma in their ear saying you need to go get your shots, and they have this person in their ear getting their shots, and they're they're feeling pressured. What what do you think they should do? Well, they have to uh, they have to not act out of fear. They have to learn. They have to, you know, read my book, read, read the other books out there. There's a really nice website, thedoctorwithin.com by Tim O'Shea, who uh, has some great work. There's vaclib.org that has a lot of information. There's, uh, there's wonderful websites on to get you informed because you're constantly hearing only one side of the story. But more than that, you know, uh, yeah, I have my experts, and then the MDs who like vaccination will say, "Well, we have we're, we're our experts." And I'll say, "Well, here's the study showing vaccines cause autism," and they'll say, "Well, here's the studies showing vaccines don't cause autism." So what do you do? And you know, and you're you're not uh, a person who was involved in this, and you know, you're in the middle. What what is the person doing? I always felt that one of the best ways of understanding if something is healthy or not 
is to see what happens in real life. So um, there have been hundreds and hundreds of parents who uh, they had a did not vaccinate their children, and then they decided, I mean, they did vaccinate their kids, and then they decided they were not going to vaccinate their children afterwards. So let's say they had two or three kids and then chain, you know, read, listened, read my book or read other books or decided, spoke to parents or read articles, whatever, and decided the rest of the kids were not going to be vaccinated. What is the difference between the children? And they're the ones who repeatedly say the same thing. The non-vaccinated kids are far healthier than the vaccinated kids. It's the vaccinated kids with the ear infections and the colds, and the vaccinated kids have need eyeglasses, and the vaccinated kids have this problem and that problem. The non-vaccinated kids in their family are healthier and stronger and don't have all the colds and don't have the ear infections. And, and generally, and they, they, they concentrate better, and they just look healthier. It's not a matter of suits throwing paper at each other. It's a matter of what's happening in real life. And if you do look at studies, and I hate to bring up studies again because people sort of glaze over, oh, no, another study. If you do look at studies that compare vaccinated to non-vaccinated children, and there are a few done by independent researchers, you find that they see the same thing over and over. Well, I think your point... kids are healthier. The point that you made of, 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 you know, the parent that sees that, that that's so true, and I think that's extremely powerful, and the study is, is equally as powerful, but the story really tells it for us. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our next, our, our caller here. Don, welcome to your weekly checkup. Oh, yes. Um, I wanted to point out on flu shots, for example, if you take flu shots as they recommend today, and let's say a person would live to be 80 years old. Well, that would mean in his lifetime, he would take 80 flu shots. Now, it's way overboard. I mean, we have an immune system. Why do we need 80 flu shots in a lifetime? That's a lot of shots, and that's just the flu. Suppose you need other shots. Uh, there's a lot well, of things going into our system. Well, um, if you look at the CDC, the Center for Disease Control's recommendations for children, you find that by the time a child is uh, school age, they're to have been injected with 101 vaccines. It's it's not a misprint. It's 101, 101 vaccines. Now, MMR is three. DPT is three. Uh, Prevna, and you have five and five DPT shots. So you have, you know, etc. The Prevnar vaccine is eight, and then you have the flu and the polio and hepatitis B, and the numbers grow dramatically. And you go 101 shots. I mean, how did humanity survive all this time without all these shots? But <laughs> uh, but you're you're right about the uh, the, the flu. And I was in a conference in Bethesda, Maryland, when Dr. Hugh Feudenberg spoke. He was the world's leading immunogeneticist. And he stated that, based on his research, if a person has had five consecutive flu shots, you know, uh, one flu shot for every a year for five years, their chance of getting Alzheimer's is ten times higher. So uh, I went up to Dr. Feudenberg after the, uh, at the, you know, during the break after he spoke, and I said, 
uh, to him, well, what is it in the flu shot that causes Alzheimer's? And he said, it's mercury. He says, the mercury uh, doesn't leave the body but collects in the brain. And after a while, uh, it creates, you know, brain malfunction. So, uh, you know, and, and this is unfortunately the case with the flu shot that's uh, given multi-dose vials. You know, they say that the government has stopped using um, mercury, but that's not entirely true. Uh, they permit trace amounts. And you can say on the label, no mercury here, but in reality there were trace amounts, and the government has permitted that labeling. And that's sort of scary because um, there is no safe amount of mercury that's ever been recorded. It's a neurotoxin, meaning it's poison to the brain, and there's no safe level. So you can put a trace amount, and that might kill you. But even worse than that, chemically, is that no one has studied what the combination of ingredients in a vaccine does. You know, we, we say, for example, that aluminum is, is unhealthy and causes brain damage and cancer and other things. And mercury is unhealthy and it causes uh, brain damage and, and is, you know, damage to the nerve fibers and all. And, that, and that's true. But no one's done research in, on a shot that combines, for example, mercury and aluminum together. We don't know what the synergistic effect, mm. the, the, the combined effect is of these chemicals together in one baby or multiple vaccines in one baby. The research is not there. They've not even done long-term studies to say, well, you know, what, ha what does the vaccine have any effects after six months or five years or ten years? Uh, they have never done the studies, and the government permits in my opinion and the opinion of many others, sloppy, poor research to, to uh, no, no research to, to exist and yet to approve vaccines. Uh, I know that's sort of a long answer, but it's more of a comment uh, on your question or your statement. So I hope that helps uh, clarify things. Don, thanks so much for calling. We appreciate it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to your weekly checkup. Our number is 866-521-WELL, 866-521-9355. So I was talking with a school teacher um, before the show tonight, and she had asked me, she said, you know, I didn't used to see kids. So you were talking about, you know, here's research, here are papers, here are studies, here are, you know, all this stuff. And... Um, so she says to me, well, I didn't notice autism before in the classroom, and it seems like it's just all over the place now. Do you think that has anything to do with it? And I said, yes, I do think that has a lot to do with it. And um, and then she, she mentioned to me some other, you know, do you, do you think it has links with Alzheimer's? Yes, you know, we mentioned that tonight and things. But it's interesting to me that, you know, people are... Uh, I I think it's fantastic that people are thinking that are waking up saying wait a minute wait a minute this there's a rat in the woodpile here it doesn't make any sense so then she says to me well why are the schools what do the schools have to do with it right like why do schools care that the vaccines are you know that you your could have to be man, uh, mandatory vaccines which is silly it doesn't exist at least in Michigan yet thank God and um. I said, well, I think for two reasons. One, I think they're misinformed. I think that, you know, they, I'm sure some of them think that, you know, being vaccinated contributes to herd immunity, which is this total farce, as we all know. But, um, 
you know, they think that's the case. And then, and then on the flip side, though, I said, you know, the reality is school districts get paid per child in attendance, right? So if they think that a child with pertussis is going to miss a week or two or three, you know, however long they have to miss, or a child with, you know, measles has to miss or mumps or any of these other childhood sicknesses, number one, it's very inconvenient when you have children missing large amounts of school. Number two, it's very costly because just look up. You can find out what your school district gets paid per child in attendance per day. And then when you have children that are missing multiple amounts of school, which has nothing to do with them not being vaccinated, but they think that has to do with it, then they're saying, no way, you have to be vaccinated to come here, which is not true, but that's that's what they're telling people. And I think I think anytime you force something to happen, I think that needs to make people wake up and say, wait a minute, I, I don't I don't think that I should be forced to do something. I don't think the government should have control over my health. I don't think the government should have control over, you know, what's what I'm doing with my children. And um I think if nothing else that should get our attention and then you know the the uh, vaccine injury compensation program as you mentioned earlier that should catch our attention the fact that we got you know a handful of those you know a couple decades ago and now as you mentioned by six years old 101 vaccines i mean this stuff has to get people's attention what do you say for people where that those big big issues there have not gotten their attention what would you say to them to to get them to wake up well, you know, you've said a whole lot of great things, and the problem is that very few people hear all those great things. The the media does not. The media is terribly biased. You know, they say, you know, you realize how biased the media is when it deals with the subject you know about. And then you go, well, that's, that's not right. And you see this over and over again with you know, with vaccines. The, the the media is totally lost when it comes to this. They know about as much as vaccines as they do, um, you know, the local flower show. Actually, one uh, one researcher told me that, uh, you know, a vaccine. You know, these reporters that have really no uh, background in science. And they, they're pulled from the local bake sale and said, go to this medical study, <laughs> go to this medical convention and report on it. And they know nothing. They know about as much of vaccines as the average person does, which means nothing. They've just been sort of brainwashed or at least uh, not given both sides of the story. And they, unless they perhaps know people with vaccine-injured children, which is sadly a large number, uh, they really don't know. There's been a few reporters that have been honest about this, but most of them are terrified to say anything critical of the medical, standard medical procedures, as most MDs are. And uh, there's, there's a few reasons why. Um, in fact, one reporter said that she was going to write about this subject in a ba- what she considered a balanced way, and the word got out. And uh, somebody from a medical association called her and said, if this paper comes out that you're writing or this article comes out and kids are not vaccinated, you may be responsible for kids dying from the measles. Now, it's ridiculous, of course, to even say that, but this is how they terrify uh, reporters. And, of course, there's lots of money uh, you know, spent on drugs, drug advertising, 
and uh, uh, you know, not many shows want to endanger their sponsors. There's, you know, the, the, otherwise the show won't exist. So you know, if you love coffee, uh, or you know, if you you're a sponsor uh, of coffee, and suddenly the, the show you're sponsoring is doing a whole segment on how coffee is dangerous, you may think twice about giving them money for the sponsorship. <laughs> oh, it's the same with the vaccines. These are this is a business. They're not in the business to get people healthy. They're in the business to make money. The, the vaccines are a product that they sell, and they're promoting it and pushing it. And they are—it it is simply a business. It's like the mafia. I think. What was it in this? Was it the scene in what was that movie? Um, oh, The Godfather. You know, nothing personal. It's just business. You know, I'm sorry your kid died, but it's just business. I'm sorry your kid has autism, but we just spent money on a study showing that autism has nothing to do with uh, vaccines. Of course, the study's garbage, but uh, that's secondary. Hey, it's just business, nothing personal. So, Dr. Corin, uh, mm-hmm. is is there a time, is there a time where you would suggest that somebody get vaccinated? Um, I, I was asked this question. Um, a, a couple times recently, hey, you know, you're, my three kids have not been vaccinated. It's no small secret that that's the case. That was the decision my wife and I came to when we both did independent research. Now, she's a school teacher, um, and so, you know, she's an independent thinker. She's very intelligent. And um, people asked us in chiropractic school, are you going to vaccinate your daughter? And we said, well, of course we're going to vaccinate. What are you talking about? Why are you even asking that? Like, why would that even be a question, right? Because how we were raised is you just shut up and take it. Like, that's kind of what, that's just what you do, right? And so, um, anyway, so the fact that so many people kept asking made us think, gosh, we should, you know, we should look into this. So, so I start looking into it and I say, holy cow, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, there's no way. There's no way. I, I've got to be wrong. It's un, it, this, isn't, this feels awkward. It goes against what I think I believe and how I was raised. That's weird. I think I should reject this notion that I should look at this objectively, right? Which is what we all do, right? I mean, at least most of us. Yeah. And so, so yeah, then I, I was said, brought up very medical, so. Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, that's just how it was. So anyway, the solution we came to was, we're not going to talk about it for two weeks. You research, I'll research, let's talk in two weeks. And we both came back and said, honestly, we're kind of scared to death, but we feel like if God gave us these children and their bodies can't handle what comes up in life, that would be absolutely terrible. The worst that could happen is our child could die. God forbid the worst that could happen is she could die. And so would it be worse? What would be the lesser of two evils if she died because her body couldn't handle, you know, fighting off an infection that she was exposed to with the trillions that are spent every year in symptom management and disease care, right, that we would have access to? I don't know if that's a reality, but hey, that would be the worst that could happen. Would that be worse or would it be worse if we overrode God's creation, overrode his you know, the, the power that made the body that heals the body. If we overrode that, if we overrode innate intelligence that he created us with, if we, if we decided to outsmart that system and that creation. Now she ate well, she 
was nursed. She was under chiropractic care from when she was about 45 minutes old. Um, I mean, so we did do other things to make sure her immune system was strong and fighting and that sort of thing. But worst case scenario, if she died, would she, would it be worse if it was because we let her body fight it and lost? Or would it be worse because we injected stuff in her that shut her body down? Which of those would be worse? And we both decided the latter would be worse. So God help us, we'll take our chances. Now we've gotten much more comfortable with that because we realized that they don't even work in this whole mess. But um, I forgot where I was going. You, I, I started you, you were going to ask, was there, was there a time when, that you yeah. would want to vaccinate? Yes. So, yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, the answer is no. Uh, so, I mean, not with what's out there now. The vaccines don't work, and they're dangerous. So I don't see the upside. There's no benefit to vaccinating. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the only benefit is then you don't have to... Uh, deal with uh, the school system, and that's the only benefit. But the child is not healthier. In fact, vaccinated kids are are poisoned kids. They are sicker. If you want to help the child, don't vaccinate. I mean, so what Mm -hmm. if you're going to go to Africa or like what if you're going to go overseas where there's not you're not going to have a natural resistance because you won't have had any exposure to some of the pathogens, right? Are, would you would would you advise somebody consider it in that scenario where you're going to kind of over override the rules of natural immunity? No, because the vaccines don't work. Okay. I mean, they simply don't work. You don't get a person healthy by injecting poisons into them. And uh, you know, I, I remember having this discussion with um, with a bunch of Mormons because I lectured once in Salt Lake City. You know, there's a lot of Mormons in Salt Lake City. <laughs> and they, uh, and we talked about that. And the Mormons do something called uh, going on, uh, what do they call it? Uh, missions. They go on work. missions, yes. Missions, thank you. And they go on missions all over the world. And it's really fascinating because you'll see these kids, and they're you know, 18, 19, I think two years before college, they go on the missions. And, um, and they they. they they know Japanese, they know Chinese, they know Korean, they, they study. I mean, they're, they're totally fluent in the country they go to. What a great opportunity and experience. And I have a lot of respect for the Mormons. However, when it comes to vaccination, the rule is you can't do missionary, uh, the, the, the mission work outside the U.S. unless you're fully, va- you know, you get pumped full of all these vaccines. Huh. And here I am speaking hmm. to a bunch of uh, Mormon chiropractors who have a lot of problems with this ruling, and the Mormon Church is apparently ruled by like a small board of governors, a group of people who make the rules, and that's it. <laughs> they make the rules, and there's no there's no debate after that. Sort of like the uh, the Supreme Court that's the final word. And they told me that there are Mormon children who, after they get all their shots and go overseas, come back in wheelchairs shortly thereafter due to uh, the damage done by shot. I'm not saying everyone does, but it it does happen. It has happened. And they they told me that this is simply uh, something that they accept. And we we had a friend of ours who was apparently in great health, went to South America with with people, uh, got all these shots and came back in a wheelchair and died about six months later. And the MDs just said, well, you got some rare tropical disease. We don't know what it is. 
Right. But it's quite conceivable that she got all those vaccines and that killed her. But uh, they never admit that the vaccines can cause damage, even though it's in the medical journals. They are simply taught these vaccines are safe, and they believe the teachers, uh, and they have no reason to. And that's the so problem. we have time for, for probably one more question um, before we're, we're done. We certainly do appreciate very much you spending the time with us to, um, you know, to, to, to serve our market here in the Detroit area. And um, our show also streams online at yourweeklycheckup.com. And then by the end of the week, we'll be on our podcast at yourweeklycheckup.com. Please do us a favor and and uh, rate our podcast on iTunes. That will help us be visible um, as the world looks for health topics and, um, you know, helped people help people. And people need to know that our society is not, you know, health doesn't come from more medicine and more surgeries and sickness doesn't come from medicine deficiencies and chemical deficiencies. That's not what happens. And and those of you listening realize that. And so we would love to be able to share that with the people, the the rest of the people around the world. So please rate our podcast on iTunes. Uh, the, The last question that I have is, is, you know, there are so many people behind this. So um, the the largest player I think in this whole thing is you know is the is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They're they're huge proponents of you know better um, vaccines lead to better health, lead to better education. Why why who why would why, what would be in it for somebody to be that that into it? You know they're they're into it. UNICEF is into it. Like everybody's banding together to make sure that we send money around the world to pump these kids full of these medicines is it different overseas like why what do they what's the deal it's worse what they do is they actually in some african villages and towns and cities they have national vaccination day and they actually have the military or paramilitary come in and force under gunpoint vaccinate the children on those days villages say that they will send their kids out just go out into the into the jungle and don't wow. come back until uh, wow. until the evening. Tens of thousands of children in India are paralyzed as a result of these shots, directly related to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Wow! They have I didn't no know idea that. What they're doing? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, Doctor Corin, you, look it up. you can do a Google search. On I, it I will do that there. for sure. Listen, we've put yeah, Doctor Corin's I'm book you on our. Verifiable. I believe I believe it. I've seen I've seen your publications. Listen, uh, we're out of time. We Dr. Corin's book on uh, the vaccination issue is uh, there's a link on our website yourweeklycheckup.com. Please go there and buy that um, and and be informed. That's really the point we're trying to make is be informed. Uh, just keep a copy or two in your office. Put it in your lo- lending library. Yep, we have we do have that there. We both have yeah. So we appreciate your time on behalf of our teams in Ann Arbor and in Troy and our awesome team at WMUZ and our special guest, Dr. Ted Korn. Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next week. And God bless.
the Sports Fans Radio Network is here every Saturday night at 8, talking sports. Vito Folletti and Brandon Woods bring their own unique take